Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 11, Episode 9, The Mon Mothman Prophecies. The book, Jedi Search by Kevin J. Anderson. The year, 1994. The penultimate chapters, 24 through 26. With your illustrious hosts, Jeff and John. Let us proceed. everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast, where I am Jeff, and I am joined as always by my good friend and cohort, and I, I, I don't know, um, the, the man in the man of the hour, John. I, Hi, John. thought you were going to call me the man in the mirror. I was like, what? John's the man in the mirror, uh, and I'm talking to him. I'm talking to the man in the mirror. That's right. That's what this podcast is. It's time to talk to the man in the mirror about Star Wars. Yeah. Hey, John, would you mind changing your ways? I would. Okay. Well, you know, I had to ask. That's just the requirement. Yeah, I I get it. I understand. But fuck you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel bad that you feel like you have to express your anger at me in that regard. But, you know, I'll see you again tomorrow and ask you if you're uh, if you're ready to change your ways. Yeah. And and then that's all. That's that's the only lyric from that song I know off the top of my head. So that's as far as my joke can extend. Yeah, well, that's good. We can end the dumb bit and it's fine. It's fine. We didn't need to keep that bit going. I wouldn't have even known how. Ah. <sighs> so how you doing? I'm doing all right. I've got myself a nice little milkshake here, so I might sound all milky during this. Oh, people love it when you sound like you've got gunky dairy crap in your throat. That's one of my uh, lowest sources of complaints. Yes, indeed. Normally, when people are listening to a podcast, they're like, why doesn't that person sound like they're currently full of cheese? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love it when I have to address when when I'm doing the editing and someone's like, hey, it sounds like someone on your show is speaking entirely through a gargled mesh of dairy creams. (laughs) Can you uh, can you try it? Is there a filter for that? Sounds like someone is currently just lapping up cream like a kitty cat and then trying to tell me about Han Solo. It sounds like you've got one regular recording artist on your show and one cum pig. Can you fix that for us? I think it's just under effects. I'm sorry. That's a cum hero to you. (laughs) Oh, right. I forgot. We joined the network. (laughs) Hello, cum heroes. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's how it goes, right? Uh, okay, well, anyway, we are reviewing, we're in the final stretch of this book, and boy, oh boy, is it obvious that this is the first book of a trilogy. I think this was all just written as one big, long book. Yeah, I only realized when reading it today, I was like, oh, we've only got, like, two more episodes, and we're not even remotely close to wrapping up anything here. Leia's never even left her fucking house! Oh, yeah, we've had Leia leave once to go to, like, the shitty dinner with uh, the Caridan ambassador, and the rest of the time yeah. she has been just grumped up in her room. Yeah, it's a whole book of her just griping in her house. Speaking of, chapter 24 opens with Leia griping in her house. Oh, yeah. At least with this chapter, I can almost get on Leia's side with this. Because she's I'm been, kind of 50-50. She's been bitching and moaning for a long time, but honestly, this chapter is like, hey, uh, literally everyone is going to Leia with all of their very dumb, stupid shit that should not be going to an ambassador. Here's my question, and I feel like this is important. And you're right. You're absolutely right, because it feels like a lot of the stuff she's being hit with has nothing to do with ambassadorial duties. Like, there's a dude calling her to complain that she's not at some meeting about what to do about orbital debris. Oh, yeah. And they're like, you were supposed to give us a report about orbital debris movement. And you're like, that's not what an ambassador does. Yeah, unless my job is to greet the orbital debris and give it, like, a glass of champagne or something. How about fuck you, Anders, my lieutenant in this area? 
Yeah, it's it's very weird that she gets a couple calls and people are just like, hey, you said you were going to do something that is completely outside the realm of your responsibilities. I find it interesting that the New Republic is willing to pay for her to have a whole staff just to watch her kids on another planet, but not like an ambassadorial staff. And that's the thing I'm getting to. How the fuck doesn't she have anybody reporting to her? I- it's like she's the bottom of the ladder at this ambassadorial service, and I would have figured she's, like, second in command. Oh, yeah. This entire chapter is just people calling her while she's trying to get some stuff done. Like, actual business that you would think she would have. But then everyone who calls her is just like, why don't you have an assistant to take this? Why isn't there a secretary involved? I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think the business she's trying to get done is ambassadorial business either. She's just doing a fucking favor for Luke. Okay. She's uh, she's trying to find ahead. a planet for the new Jedi Academy. And mm-hmm. that at least that is- I feel like would fall under ambassadorial duties for being like, oh, I'm trying to like make sure that we have these new Jedi that Luke has been bringing in, have a place to go. Like, I'm doing some sort of, like, person-to-person trying to establish relations between various things. Like, stuff that might fall under the purview of an ambassador. I'm not even going to go that far. I mean, sure, potentially it's ambassadorial responsibility to be nice to the new Jedi body that's supposed to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. At best, it is nascent, and she's doing the work of surveyors and civil engineers by being like, well, let's let's pick a planet. Let's pick a planet that maybe already has an apartment building on it. You know what? Instead of even doing that, I'm just going to flip through a list of planets until I see one that looks good. And I'm like, are you working or are you shopping? You (laughs) can pick one because at the moment you're just swiping left on Dagobah. And and what the Uh... fuck? Granted, I understand where we're going here. This is classic expanded universe novel writing. She has to come up with a list of planets probably best that they're all just side planets from the movie so that people know what you're talking about oh yeah i mean it it says that she is going through a lot of planets but of course the only one she's going to stop and talk about is dagobah yeah so she's like well let's see luke learned jedi power on dagobah from master yoda how about dagobah actually wait dagobah doesn't have any buildings on it at all which means i'd have to pay for buildings we are quite wealthy but that could slow the process down so no i'll just keep swiping till i think of something and i'm like okay number one this absolutely isn't your job like what if you pick something and you're like all right i'm gonna send i'm gonna sign him to fucking dantooine let's just dump every every problem on dantooine <laughs> then there's got to be some local civil authority who's like no we don't want that it's we're the local, not in my backyard people about Jedi academies. Well, I mean, that was sort of her whole thing was she's like, I got to find a planet that's super not populated and remote because, you know, we're going to have a planet full of fucking Jedi running around. I just want to keep them away from people. I find that especially amusing as well. The idea that this is going to create a planet full of Jedi that's going to be a problem. It's going to be like 20 people if Luke succeeds beyond his wildest dreams. They don't need a whole last planet. Oh, I know. But it's great that they're like, we're going to give a whole planet to the Jedi. Are you? Really? Why? Maybe build up to that. Maybe start with, like, an office building. Like, I'm sure there are inhabited planets that are like, oh, yeah, and... I don't know, this decently sized island or even like a small continent could be like, yeah, sure, we'll put you there. There's basically nobody there. It's just wild animals. You're like, great. Put them there. I'm not willing to give them anything bigger than a Madagascar. They can have one Madagascar full stop. You can have a Tasmania, but oh, so help me if you don't take care of it. Mm -hmm. You're going to love it. The sky is always yellow in rain or shine. (laughs) You can have a nice glass of OJ. (laughs) So anyway, uh, in the middle of this, she gets keeps getting phone calls from people. Uh, One of them wants to know about music selections. That one actually feels ambassadorial. They're like, hey, this group of aliens is coming and we need to know what kind of music to play. Granted, it doesn't feel like a job that you'd contact like a major big deal ambassador for. It feels like you just you know, Google it 
Like, hmm. oh, what do Wishy Tib listen to? Okay, great. We'll just play that. What's on um, the top 40 <laughs> hit list for those guys? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, she takes an exceedingly, oh, a very friendly phone call from Akbar, uh, but she's very grumpy about it. She's like, I don't want to talk to Akbar. I've got work to do picking a whole ass planet to give to two people. Hmm. But Akbar's just like, hey, remember when you promised you'd help me write a speech? Well, I've highlighted the couple spots that I could use your help on. I'm going to email it to you. I only need your advice on like three parts that are notes, please. Can you do that? And she's like, ah, no one will let me work. I better have some more white wine. (laughs) And of Um, course, in the middle of this, mm -hmm. like she hears from the other room, both of her children begin crying loudly. And she's just Mm -hmm. like, ugh, kids. (laughs) I love that because she hears one kid start crying. The other kids start crying. And then she's like, okay, should I do anything? Oh, no, wait, I have a 3PO. And then from the other room, 3PO's like, oh, calm down now, children. Calm down or I'll insult you mercilessly. Uh, And she's just like, "Uh, they're probably going to start crying about 3PO. You know what? I should just close the door because mommy's got to work. Now, what about Dagobah? (laughs) Just sitting there like, oh, yeah. And then... uh, 3PO's gonna try a lullaby, and that's making them more angry and sad. And you're like, why do you fucking get a regular-ass nanny? What the fuck is wrong with you? It's crazy, because she already has one, so she understands the concept implicitly. That's what winter is. If you can't uh, if you can't make the time for the kids here in town, you've already had them raised by nannies until they're two. Just get another one. Why doesn't this woman have a whole goddamn staff? Oh yeah. I I mean, I know that in Star Wars they've basically decided that every single person with a name has to do everything at all. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you are like Han Solo, you must do all the things that are both smuggler and general at all times there's no support it's just you and a wookie yeah yeah it's it you have a shot of him commanding a star destroyer and then he looks out the window and flips a salute to himself in a millennium falcon yeah that's that is the han solo experience yep i'm both of these things hey also, hey it's way more expensive for the han solo experience if you want that that's gonna be double <laughs> what if i just want a solo experience Oh, that's fine. Go home. Okay, great. I'm all set. Uh, okay, so so uh, she takes one last phone call after kind of giving up on even dealing with her children. Uh, and this is from a guy named, I said his name earlier, Anders. And Anders is in charge of orbital wreckage reclaiming or something. And unlike the other two people who have contacted her throughout the course of this chapter, he's a dick about everything. Hmm. So he's the one who's like, hey. Hey, I don't fucking care about your sick kids. You can't take a day off. We need your report on orbital mechanic mining something or other that I assume you're an expert in because your name is Leia. Hmm. Yeah, the fact that, like, she just answers the call and they're like, Hey, give me the give me the orbital debris disposition wreckage account meeting. And you're like, what? Why? Why is she even on your call list? Yeah, if anything, she should show up at the thing to receive your report, right? Like, she should just be there so she's up to speed on the current details with orbital wreckage so that she can warn incoming ambassadors. Her input should be, good, you guys keep doing that. Yeah. Good thing we hired experts. The the fucked up thing is, at one point she's like, oh, my aide canceled my appointments for today. Sorry, I couldn't attend. And then I couldn't stop thinking, wait, you have an aide? Why aren't they calling the aide? Why is everyone able to directly call your house? Does she have that shitty frog aid from fucking Bojack Horseman? What is happening? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's frog aliens, so why not? She's got some frog alien who's like, oh, I don't know, my hands are sticky. And, and all the phone calls are just getting through to her. And then possibly the worst thing in this is that she's like, oh, man, I hate my job so much. Boy, I remember back when I was chained to Jabba the Hutt, all I had to do then was lie there and look pretty. And I was like, no, fuck you, no. 
you do not say that Leia is reminiscing kindly about her time as a slave to Jabba. <laughs> it's true. She actually does have that opinion. She's like, well, at least when I was working for Jabba, all I had to do was sit there in a bikini. That wasn't so. No, nope, no. No, full hard no on that one. <laughs> I cannot go with you this far, Kevin J. Anderson. Sorry, Kevin, I realize you want to reference things that have happened in movies, but no, that's a full fuck you. Unless she shows up at that orbital wreckage meeting with a chain and strangles Anders to death, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Although I would actually kind of appreciate that to be the, the continuation of the current Leia arc, is she just gets so reminiscent of the slave Leia days that she just starts carrying around a chain and murdering people. That's it. That's the arc for this book series. <laughs> she finally snapped. Uh. Anyway, at some point throughout the course of this conversation, while she's trying to do shit, uh, Mon Mothma comes in. Yeah, Mon Mothma, I got, I want to know what her duties are, given what Leia is doing. And she's not even in charge, and they just have her, have everyone calling her. But Mon Mothma just comes in and is like, yo, sup, see you're looking for a planet. Beep boop, there's one. <laughs> Basically, they can't seem to come up with a with something to do with Mon Mothma beyond, they, by they I mean Anderson, anything to do with Mon Mothma beyond beatify her. She is just perfect in all respects. Oh yeah, every time she shows up, it's just, oh, Mon Mothma, she is... Like, the Mona Lisa, just enigmatic and beautiful, and apart from us, we do not know what is going on. She is so far above us. When she deigns to join us, she will solve problems, and then leave again into the ether. I mean, basically, she's the Oprah of Star Wars. Like, she just wanders in, she's like, Leia, sweater capes. Okay, goodbye, I'm off to Martha's Vineyard. And you're just like, <laughs> oh god. I bet when she gets there, she's going to wear a perfect cream white turtleneck and drink red wine. It, it, that's just what she is, it, to, to Leia at least. It's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But she pops in, and the other thing that drives me nuts about Mon Mothma is we have been uh, uh, confronted with 24 chapters now of Leia just being a garbage ambassador. But she pops in and she's just like, I don't care, Leia. Your quality as an ambassador has nothing to do with actually whether or not you're good at it. Hmm. By all means, dress down that Anders guy in front of me on the phone. I don't care. You deserve it. Sweater <laughs> capes. Cookie bouquet. Ah, yes. You know, sometimes self-care is just shouting at a low-level management guy because you can. You know, Space Steadman and I recently opened a ranch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she basically just breezes in and is like hi leia let me solve all your problems and not be mad about all the things that you're doing to fuck yourself up hey i know absolutely full well because i run a massive intelligence network that you've been hiding the whole han and chewbacca thing from me that's not cool but i'm just gonna let you keep handling it okay uh yeah it's <laughs> like I feel like if this was Mon Mothma's, like, actual disposition towards Leia, like, she would have given Leia an ambassadorial job with air quotes in that it was like, oh, what do you have to do? Oh, you're an ambassador. We'll call on you when we need you. In the meantime, you just take care of yourself. You mean one of those ambassadorial positions they hand out to, like, friends of the of the president? Yes. Like, where, where she's just like, oh, yeah, you're the ambassador to Naboo. Uh, ever, ever since 35 years ago, literally nothing on Naboo has ever mattered. Yeah, and you don't need to go there. You don't need to do anything. Maybe once every couple years, you can make a visit and go, hey, I'm here. Uh, bye. Yeah, you just pop up. You, you spend a bunch of time in Theed because Theed's fucking beautiful. It's just perfect. It's like the Venice of Star Wars. Hang out there looking at the regular boring-ass ducks, shake hands with one Gungan, and then you come on home and you make a million dollars. Yep. You'd think 
the way Mon Mothma treats her, that would be her actual responsibilities. Because every time she shows up, she's just like, oh, yeah, it's great. Anyway, don't worry about anything. I'm sure everything's fine. Hey, I solved problems. Bye. You're like, you are yeah, so just... not worried at the fact that Leia sucks at this. Basically, she plays the Diane Keaton role in the movie of this uh, in this universe's movie where she just breezes in perfectly and breezes out perfectly again. And everyone else is like, fuck, how is she so perfect? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she just sashays away. Uh, I think the there was there one other thing she assigned Leia to do. No, she basically just likes. Oh, and by the way, this is the perfect planet for Luke and uh, Luke and his Jedi Academy. Bye. Uh and, you know, I, I know what it is, and you know what it is, and we're not going to read the next book, so fuck it. It's Yavin 4. Yeah. Vin 4. Yeah. So, okay. Meanwhile, uh, I, it's it's time to check in, I believe, with Han, who is in prison. Yes, Han is in his detention cell bed, which apparently has, like, ridges on it to make it less comfortable. So I'm... I don't know, maybe you're picturing the same thing I am here, John. I'm basically picturing an adult-sized diaper change station with, for some reason, like, anti-skateboard safety ridges down the center of it. Is that pretty much what you have in mind? I mean, pretty much. I was reading that, and I was like, oh, why do they have, like, anti-homeless sleeping strips on this for a cell for a person? And as a secondary concern, if that's what they have on the bed, why doesn't he just fucking sleep on the floor? Which Indeed. will be as hard as the bed, but will not have pain stripes. Try new pain stripe gum, by the way. Mmm, pain stripe. Pain in every chew. <laughs> it's loaded with ground glass. Mmm, delicious. Like, cig like cigarettes, apparently. Uh, anyway... So he's just lying in there being like, this sucks. I hate this prison cell. I don't know what's going on. And then Quee Zucks shows up. Yeah, Quee Zucks is like, hey, I'm here to interrogate you again. I've got a, I got a thing from Admiral Dalla that says I can, I can talk to this guy. Come here, Stormtrooper, just in case this guy tries any funny business. Yeah, and Han's just like, what do you even want to know? Have you, have you actually figured out that you make super weapons yet but he does notice that her face basically conveys that yes she does like that something has happened in the past several hours where she's just mortified at her entire life yeah he's like oh you don't look like the chipper naive little bird lady that i met before now you look haunted by the fact that you are responsible for the deaths of billions <laughs> uh so she ushers the stormtrooper in to lift Han to his feet and force him to submit to more interrogation. But as soon as she gets in there, it's, uh, or sorry, as soon as the stormtrooper gets in there, it's stun o'clock. She shoots yeah. him with a stun gun. She's like, well, uh, you convinced me. I had a complete face turn over the past half hour and we're ready to go. I mean, to her credit, that's a pretty reasonable face turn. If you're like, oh, no, it's not just called the Death Star for marketing. It's called the Death Star because it murders. It does death. It does so much death that it's like a whole star of it. Stars are big. I don't know if you know this, but uh, star big. <laughs> it not small. No, no, no. It no moon. It Death Star. <laughs> so, uh, um, so she's like, she's like. <laughs> Hey, I really want to escape because obviously the next step of her Dala is that she's going to take, you know, all these Star Destroyers and the Sun Crusher and go fuck up the New Republic with it. So how about you and me? Let's ride. Let's get the actual fuck out of here. Here, I got you an unconscious stormtrooper to get into the suit of. I did appreciate that when she's like, hey, are you going to be able to handle this part? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'll be able to handle dressing as a stormtrooper. Oh, I'm an expert at this. I did it once nine years ago, so I think I'm pretty old hand at this. That was the one time in this book so far where they've referenced one of the movies, and I haven't just groaned inwardly, because it was kind of neutral. It didn't have him in his head going, hmm, this is just like that time on the first Death Star, where I had to dress myself as a stormtrooper so I could rescue Leia from a prison cell. You as know, I she recall, became my wife. <laughs> 
As I recall, the helmet didn't fit very well, and I couldn't see out of it. <laughs> and but instead, it's just reduced to nothing but a yeah, yeah. I've done this, which that's what these things should be. No, if you're gonna have a reference to that, don't have it be a paragraph explaining how it is a reference. Yeah, exactly. So good work, good work indeed. Uh, he's like, okay, well, let's just go rescue everybody else then. So. First, they have to head off to a uh, the other part of the prison where Kip Duran is being held. Uh, he's sitting there stewing in his own angry juices uh, because he's spent his whole life hiding from the Empire, and now they have him. He's like, man, they ruined my life, and I finally escaped from where they are ruining my life, and now they're just going to murder me anyway. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he hears stormtroopers outside talking, and, and it's just Han, you know, trying to convince uh this stormtrooper guard to let him have the prisoner uh basically saying something about how they're going to test a new super weapon and they need a useless target yeah i like that it's uh <laughs> it's little snippets and of course kip doesn't know what's going on so he's like all right here's what's gonna happen they're gonna open the door and i'm gonna go at him like a wild monkey Mm-hmm. Just go ham on them. Go nuts. Uh, but then the door opens and an unconscious stormtrooper is kicked into the room. Like, hey, we fucked this dude up. He dead now. You want his uh, clothes? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You want to put on those clothes? And he's like, I've never done this before. This reminds me of the this time I was not I on the anything about. <laughs> this reminds me of the time I was not on the Death Star nine years ago. And I didn't rescue my future not wife, Princess Leia, from a prison cell. In fact, nine years ago, I was like seven or something, so meh. <laughs> uh, okay, so now that basically Kui is prepped to escape. She's got a forged document that says she can do whatever she wants that Dala appears to have signed. And two stormtroopers. And now it's time to get a Wookiee. Mm-hmm. So she heads on down to the motor pool, basically. I'm sure it's called something else. And she's just like, hey. Uh, the repulsor pool? The repulsor pool. And she's like, hey, give me your newest, goodest Wookiee. I got heavy work needs doing, and I don't want any of these broken down, lazy, listless Wookiees. I want new blood. And they're like, very good, sir. Here is our newest Wookiee. And they haul out like, itchy. <laughs> as you, <laughs> as you can see, the, this one is brand new. <laughs> as you can see, this one is very gross. Its primary interests involve watching TV and watching TV on things that aren't TVs. <laughs> All right, fine. I want your second newest Wookiee. <laughs> and they get Chewbacca. Now, they, there's a whole bunch of back and forth here where they're, like, constantly warning her that Chewbacca is a brand new, untamed Wookiee. And she's just like, I don't care. I want the good Wookiee. Look, and I've got th these two stormtroopers, and... If that Wookiee gets out of line, they'll take care of him. Yeah, they'll give him a couple of these and one of those right across the jaw. But basically, when they get him, he's obviously intensely pissed off, getting whipped openly by the Taskmaster guy, uh, which Han has an exceptionally violent fantasy at that point. <laughs> yeah, he's like, ooh, I'm going to take that whip and shove it into his mouth and turn it on. And I'm like, oh, that's... um. That's, that's fucked up. That's uh, that's vivid, Han. I mean, I understand. I, I don't like slavery either, but goddamn, buddy. <laughs> that is uh, that is definitely a thing where you're like, what I want to do is watch his eyeballs pop out of his head. That would be fun. <laughs> I hate slavery and being slaves. In fact, everybody in my family does, and they talk about it all the time. <laughs> How much they hate being slaves and don't miss their, their, their years of being slaves. <sighs> so uh anyway the they get chewbacca and honestly han's big fear is that chewbacca is so angry and so cheesed off that uh that he's legitimately worried that the chewie will just attack them in the hallway oh yeah so, he's like we the, have to get to a point where we are alone and i can actually show him that it's me because I'm I figure he is just going to lose his shit and try to rip my head off. 
You'd think the two of them, and I, I mean, I know that this is just wishful thinking and probably me being unnecessarily tactical, but you'd think the two of them would have a hand signal. I mean, just at least from back in their smuggler days, you'd think they would have a sign that's like the, hey, I've got a plan, or stop, don't do a thing. Like, even if they only have one signal, and that signal is like, not yet, or something, if Han did the signal, then Chewie would be like, oh, he's doing a signal I remember from our smuggling days. Sure, that signal means there's a fresh pie on a windowsill, but Ah. still, only Han knows that signal. And God, I want a pie, so even if that's not Han, I'm still going to go with him. <laughs> I just installed my hobo lifting repulsors. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. yes, my new hobo repulsors are at maximum capacity. <laughs> they have the power to push me towards scent at one-tenth of sublight. My, I got to a pie in 12 parsecs. <laughs> Oh, not in that hunk of junk. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, now we have the whole gang back together because basically Han's like, hey, Chewie, it's me. It's us. We're mounting an escape attempt. You want in? And Chewie basically says the Wookiee equivalent of you son of a bitch, I'm in. And now everybody's in. Yeah. Like, we well, have one. All we need now is to be able to get piloted out of here. And Han's like, <laughs> I think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really, what he means is Kip Duran can do that again, I hope. Uh, yes. But, <laughs> but uh, basically, now they need a ship. So, in a brazen display of, of not being too worried about things, they take a shuttle loaded with stormtroopers from the science installation to the military maw installation. Or other way around, excuse me. They go from the military prison to the Maw Science Installation. Because they're not stealing any ship, they're stealing the Sun Crusher. Oh, hell yeah. Because, you know, the whole impetus for this escape was Quizux realizing, oh, everything I designed is used for mass murder. Uh, let's not leave them with my latest one. Yes, exactly. She's like, hey, look, I know what that thing can do. I am not exactly sure why I thought I was building it earlier. I cannot put that together. But uh, one thing's for certain, I probably shouldn't leave it uh, in the hands of Admiral Dalla because it is indestructible. Like, even setting aside the star-blowing-up thing, uh, this the fact that this ship can just fly through other ships makes it a very dangerous weapon. Oh, yeah. And I do like that at one point when they're going, Han's like, uh, so where are we headed to? Are we going to your uh, your laboratory? And she's like, no, never again. And I'm like, oh, good. I like that you've gotten to the point where you're like, I can't even look at my old workspace without realizing what I've done. No. Yeah, my understand. I, I believe she becomes an important military science person for the rebellion and, or the New Republic instead, so... Basically, all she re- she doesn't really stop building super weapons. She just changes sides. <laughs> I'm gonna so, build uh, good death machines. <laughs> it, we call it the Star Hugger. It gives hugs to stars. Ah, <laughs> uh, lots of hugging stars. <laughs> uh, we call this one the Sun Lover. It fucks the sun until it explodes. But doesn't that do the? Did that the the, the sun explodes? Thing. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah, if I'm doing it right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously the sun fucker's gonna explode. If the <laughs> if the sun doesn't, I mean, we could try again in a half hour. I'll have some milk. Look, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes the sun fakes it. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going supernova. Oh, <laughs> hey, you better go away. Oh, you barely turned into a red giant. All right, well, so they're going to escape, and basically, this what we see over and over again throughout the course of this chapter is just Quee uh, arguing with stormtroopers and waving a, the same piece of paper at them over and over again, to the point where even in the in the uh, structure of the chapter, Han's just like, damn, I sure hope she doesn't lose that one piece of paper, because that thing is really carrying this storyline. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, you have a piece of paper signed by Admiral Dalla that says... I can get what I need to finish my project, and you are just using that for everything. Yeah. 
But, you know, ultimately it works, and the chapter largely comes to a, a halt when she successfully cows a, a stormtrooper into letting them get into the uh, engine bay for the Sun Crusher under the impression that some Wookiee is going to do a massive coolant overhaul to it. Yep, that's it. And I'm, I'm still like, wait, don't you have, like, imperial engineers and scientists and crap? Why why would it be normal for you to bring in slave labor for the top secret ship? I, mean, I feel like you'd want to go get... <laughs> to their credit, the book is like, oh yeah, the stormtroopers just sort of look past the fact that Quizux is acting weird because they work at the Ma installation and it's full of eccentric, yeah. weird scientists. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. If you need a Wookiee to do this, I guess, whatever. I also do appreciate how bored they are with everything because she's basically doing that like i have to roll persuasion in a second D D move where she's like hi i'm a normal scientist who's here on normal business nothing weird here anyway i'm here to go into that room with the special super weapon no reason Anyway, our shared leader, Admiral Natasi Dala, it's not weird to say her whole name and title like that, sent me and these two guys and this Wookiee to take care of it. Nothing suspicious to see here. Move along. And they're just like, uh-huh, we don't care. None of us fucking care. Also, I was assigned to come here by the administrator, Tol Sivron. Yeah, you know that name. Yeah, we don't care. You're not going to have to roll for this. Just go in the room. Just shut up and go in the room. I rolled a 17. Yeah, it's great. No one cares. <laughs> Just fucking get in there. They, they look at the piece of paper and say, yes, please, please go. <laughs> I'm a lying genius. Ah, uh, my plan has worked perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much the end of that chapter is just them looking at the Sun Crusher like, shit, I guess we're stealing this thing, huh? Rad. I mean, if you're going to escape in any ship, it should be the indestructible one. I mean, I, I still don't want to go into a black hole in it because I'm fairly sure that's how they eventually get rid of this fucking thing. But uh, but certainly it is the thing to escape from a fleet in because they could just eat all the turbo lasers. Um, um, um. You'd yeah, think nom, nom. as well that if you know that, like, oh, Dahl is about to, like, go try and, I don't know, mount a Ford Star Destroyer attack on an entire empire, you'd be like, you know what? Let's just, since we're in an indestructible ship anyway, let's just blow up their Star Destroyers. What are they going to do? They can't do anything to us. Yeah, I guarantee you they don't do that because that would pretty much end this trilogy. Oh, so I know. Even though, which would be great if they went out and flew, just took the Sun Crusher and were like, you know what? I mean, I'm going to tell you an honest truth, John, here. One of the few things I remember about this trilogy is I think in the next three chapters, someone flies the Sun Crusher through a Star Destroyer. But they don't, fly it, they don't fly it through all four of them. So you'd think they'd be like, oh, shit, that went really well. Let's just end this problem now. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, this is the same argument from last episode where I'm like, hey, Hey, uh, hey, Luke and Lando, why don't you blow up all of these ships in this hangar? Well, obviously we can't do that because that would be mean. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> Luke and Lando, that is, of course, the next chapter. Yeah, where they Luke are <laughs> being chased by all of these ships they didn't destroy. This is not an especially interesting chapter because only one thing happens throughout the whole course of it. Uh, Luke and Lando run away. Pretty now, much. They're, it's they're, just they're descriptions the of the, yeah. <laughs> everything happening around them. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they are being pursued already uh, by a bunch of Z-95 headhunters and a couple of Y-Wings. Now, and, the Z-95s you know, are described as wasp-like, which I think is the first time I've ever heard that. Z-95s just look like crappier X-Wings. Yeah, they're just, you know, X-Wings, but without the ability to go... You know, into an X, they just have the one pair of wings. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I, I maybe he. This is the first time anyone ever talked about them. I'm almost certain that's not the case because I think they showed up in the West End game Star Wars stuff first. Uh, but anyway, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Luke's they're being super by these... weirded out that they're there. 
Because he's like, yeah. oh, people still have headhunters? That's weird. Those things suck ass. <laughs> They're perfectly fine, Luke. You shut your mouth. Look, I, mean, I get that the like... first thing you ever flew was an X-Wing, so you have weird standards about stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not even true. He used to fly his T-16 and blast Womp Rats. Yeah, but that's not flying. That's speeding. Uh, no, no. Hang on. That's a T-38 you're thinking of. That's his land speeder, T-34. He also mm. flew something called his T-16, which was a, a, a little... It looked like the Lambda shuttles, kind of. Like a little baby one. A little baby. Yeah. Uh, anyway... Uh, so they're getting shot at and their shields are holding for the moment, but things aren't looking good. And Luke, of course, is like, hey, let's try crazy Jedi shit. <laughs> I wish he did more crazy Jedi shit. I was kind of expecting him to be like, uh, why don't I just like force push a motherfucker into another motherfucker? And <laughs> it did not happen. And I was very sad. Yeah, he's not quite at that level yet. I mean, we got to that by the time of the Eugene Vaughn crisis where he's just like dumping torpedoes out of his own ship and like auto-piloting them into other uh, spaceships and stuff, like, just being a real mean guy. But here he's still like, I can barely touch the minds of those pilots. Hmm. So instead, his plan is to use the Force to sense the energy shield surrounding Kessel and play chicken with it to try and uh, smash a bunch of other ships. Yeah, and that's useful for getting rid of four ships, but it is it's also... <laughs> You going in the exact opposite direction of the way you want to go. I also find it especially useful for Lando to explain that, yes, in one of the movies, he did that once. I I almost slammed into an energy shield when we were at the Death Star 2. I wouldn't like to do that again, Luke. Do you remember above Endor when we were piloting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and Luke's like, I wasn't. I was on that Death Star while you were trying not to smash into it. How did you forget that? Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm very dumb, and uh, I watched a <laughs> lot of Imperial propaganda. I mean, come on, Lando. Remember how you were, we were so out of main characters at that point that your co-pilot had to be like a wet pug? You remember that, right? His his name was Dean Numb. You loved him. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> he's an important administrator. He works He works on Coruscant. Every time you talk to him, he's like, blah, 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 blah. and you're like, yeah, I've never understood what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying, and I don't care. I'm Lando Calrissian. Weren't you Luke? I'm pretty sure you were Luke when I was <laughs> flying that death. <laughs> I never really uh, looked over into the co-pilot seat. It could have been anybody there. Could you blame me? You've got more jowls than a predator. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. The trick works. They smash like four Z-95s in a Y-Wing or something by, by playing chicken with the energy shield. Yes. Because uh, Luke can tell where the energy is, but no one else can. Yes. Yeah. Um... I'm surprised by that. I would have figured those energy shields are either partially visible or would at least show up on like sensors or something. But we actually know they don't because of Return of the Jedi. Um, anyway, we do check in with Morath Duel in this chapter as well. He is incredibly angry. His eyepiece thing is broken, so he can barely see. He's managed to feel his way to like the command center of the moon base of Kessel, where he's more or less just yelling, all of them, send all of oh, my yeah. ships. He's like, I want... All the ships out there! Everyone! Everyone attack at the same time! And, like, one person goes, Hey, that's dumb. Uh, we haven't trained together, and we would just get in each other's way. Can we not? I do... I, I greatly appreciate here that Morathul looks at him trying to figure out who what dumbass said that so we can have him killed later or whatever, but he can't because his eyes are all broken. He's like, damn it, I really <laughs> wanted to murder the guy with the good idea. Mm-hmm. He's like, ooh, this is a perfect time for me to be an irritating bad guy who murders his subordinates. I'm going to murder my subordinates. Oh, I can't see him. Shit. Hey, whoever said that last, uh, you're you're committed to the spice mines. <laughs> whoever said uh, that last, come to my office later for a prize. <laughs> uh, you really should have said those things in that order, sir. <laughs> 
right now we're all determining that the person who said that was your butt. Apparently <laughs> your butt said that. Ah, yes. I know your butt. <laughs> An Ugnot. I hate him. I don't know why I put him in charge of things. <laughs> I have spoken. It's me, your butt. I'm your butt, the Ugnot. Uh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> there's really not much else to this. It's just fly away from ships. Shoot at them a little bit. Get shot back. Oh, no, our shields are going down. Our shields aren't down yet, though, but they're so close to down. Oh, we took a few more hits. Luke, I really cannot impugn on you enough how much our shields are close to going down. Look, they're so red. They're in the red zone. They're getting redder by the minute. They're in the red zone. They're going to stay in the red zone. They will never leave the red zone. I do appreciate as well the the brief moment in this chapter where uh, Lando pauses to be like, "Wow, what, Morth Tool's got some really good mechanics. He's taken excellent care of this ship. It's in good shape." Yeah, this is in way better shape than at any time that Han has owned this. <laughs> I hate that guy. Why don't we just give this ship to Morth Duel? <laughs> Why don't we go back and be like, you know, I just realized I don't like Han Solo either. Here you go. <laughs> Actually, I really do have half a million credits. I got them as a reward for that whole Timo situation on um, Gullion or whatever it was called. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm investing in your spice mine. You know what? Let's do Han's this. You and me, we're cool now. Han's probably dead, right? I mean, he's just probably dead. That's how things work. I'm going to wait till things cool over with his wife, and then I'm going to move in on her. Ah. All right. Well, I, I don't even know. I mean, at a certain point, this goes on like this boringly for quite a while. And then Luke's like, wait, hold on. I have a crazy idea. What if I use the force to fly into the maw? Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? That would sound awesome if it already ha hadn't already happened in this book. Yes. And there is a little bit where they're like, oh, some of the big ships were trying to, like, block off their ability to get to the Maw. And I'm like, good. I like that they went, oh, you know, the one dumb weakness thing we have is we can't get anyone if they go into the Maw. Let's just stop that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... But here's the problem with trying to send a couple of picket ships to stop people flying into the Maw. It is a cluster of black holes. It is absolutely enormous. And so they can pretty much just go around them. But they don't. Oh, yeah. They fly through. They were like, ah, oh, yes. And then ten ships that were, like, outfitted for speed went ahead of them to stop them. And Lando used three dimensions in space and just sort of went down and around. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, eventually they get all set up. They make their way past the Lorinar strike cruiser, which is this giant ship that's trying to stop them. And, and Lando would be like, oh my God, you'd have to be some kind of idiot to fly into that. It's a black hole cluster. And, uh, <laughs> Luke, Luke has an actually pretty good one-liner response where he's like, well, let's hope no one else here is an idiot. Yeah. You and see, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. You remember earlier yeah. in the book? I didn't hate that one, but I kind of hated it overall. Oh, I hate everything. Full stop. That's it. <laughs> well, short episode, John. That's the whole fucking thing. <laughs> now, we do need to, of course, say that because this is the second last episode, next week is going to be the final episode for Jedi Search. Uh, we will be doing our wrap-up episode soon, so if you've got questions or comments or anything you want us to answer about this or anything star wars related or honestly who gives a shit anything at all go ahead message us you can get us on discord use the hashtag jedi search or you can uh get to us on twitter or email us at system mastery at gmail whatever we'll take your questions we'll do our wrap-up episode and we'll have a lot of fun yeah, absolutely. Easiest way to do that, once again, join our Discord. It's a really good community. Guess what? We have mods now. I actually put some in there to do mod stuff. Yeah. So if that was a concern of yours, it's finally been addressed. We have 
well over a thousand people in there at this point, and I can't even imagine we have that many listeners. I think it's just that good of a community. Oh, it's so good. I'm kidding. We have thousands of listeners. It's fine. We're we're doing just fine. <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. Okay. Our community isn't good. <laughs> also, our community is terrible. Hate them. I'll, I I mean, honest. Actually, I really do like our community, uh, is from what I can tell of them. But I just recently read a whole thing about Crit Roll and, and how they keep calling their community their family. And that means that when their their family is acting up, it makes them look like shit. So now I'm all like hedging my bets. I'm like, well, our community is, you know, some fans. I don't know what they're going to do next. It's not my problem. Sue me. Well, wait, no, don't. The opposite of that. Sue them. Don't sue me. I did not tell them to do that. Uh, all right. Uh, so yeah, but I'm, I, I'm we love everybody in the discord. They're good people. They're good people. So come on by and join us in there. And when you do use the hashtag Jedi search to ask us your questions for the wrap up episode, the wrap up episode where we don't do anything, but briefly discuss the book and our thoughts on it. And the gestalt, uh, is it gestalt? I don't remember. Gestalt. Ans- gestalt. Answer your questions and then announce the next book. That's right. You'll find out all of that and more in a couple weeks, but if you want more content, you can head on over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Join us at the $2 or above level, and you unlock the bonus content for Expounded Universe, Expanded Expounded Universe, where we go to Wikipedia and we find just dumb nonsense from the Star Wars universe, and we tell each other, and you, all about how terrible Star Wars is, because it's real, real bad. Yeah, no, just just impossibly bad, uh, and we are all about finding the worst things in it and just bringing them to each other. Honestly, I have no idea what John's going to do this week, and he doesn't know what I'm going to do. It's a surprise for everybody. Yay, nobody knows anything. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I might just make shit up. That's right. I'm going to go in there and be like, did you know that there was an entire sect of Jedi that liked to kick rocks? That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, there's only one way to find out. Join us on the Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery at the $2 level. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a week with yet more exciting expounded universe content. And until such time as we do, I only have one thing to say, and that's that my name is Elan Sleesbagiano. And I'm off to Martha's Vineyard to smoke death sticks. (laughs) 